begin our, our series, Reformed, this morning. Uh, reformed in uh, to be formed again, to be changed, to be made new, to be made into something different. Uh, when you put something together, which around my house is usually the vacuum, because I've vacuumed up something I probably shouldn't have, when you put it together and it doesn't work, you don't put it back together the same way again because it's still not going to work. You've got to figure out what piece you didn't put in the right spot. And so that's what this series is about about us coming humbly before God and asking Him to work in our hearts and our lives and to help us figure out the things that don't fit. With this series, we're, we're journeying back in time. We're going back 500 years, and, and some may ask, well, why go back there in such a rapidly changing world? How can these truths still speak today? And yet we believe these truths that were discovered these truths that were discovered by a group of people that sought to reorient the entirety of Christianity back around Jesus and His Word still speak powerfully to us today. Over the next six weeks, we'll be digging into various aspects of, of how this looks in our lives and our world. Uh, this week, we're, we're starting out with our conscience, with our heart. And just as Luther saw the church needed to be changed 500 years ago, maybe now it's us that needs to be changed. And what I put before you is as Luther nailed those 95 theses on a church door 500 years ago and set the whole Reformation in process, maybe what needs to happen now is for us as God's people to nail his word on our hearts and let the Reformation begin with us. You see, 500 years ago, um, the church spoke and, and convinced Luther and so many others that, that God's grace could be earned and worked for. And, and so Luther was tormented, tormented by his sin and by his failings. And, and so he, he beat himself. He slept on, on hard floors. He do, tried to do all sorts of things to try and earn God's favor and his love. And in a simple phrase, the righteousness of God, Luther rediscovered grace. The, the righteousness of God was not something to be earned, but something that was given to him as a free gift. And as he discovered the love of God for him in Jesus Christ, that single idea caught a fire in his heart, in his life, and he discovered he didn't have to work for God's love, but he had it. And our faith and our life is a response to the grace of God. So today we look again at this idea and how it speaks into our lives and what we need to hear from God's word. You see, the church spoke and it was wrong. The Roman church spoke and what they had projected out to the world and how they said God worked, that God was a wrath and his love could be earned, wasn't in line with the Bible. And so the question that I have today is, if, if back then it was the Roman Catholic Church that kind of oriented the entire world, and the, the Roman Catholic Church had such a sway on the world at that time that what the church said was right, period. And so why think anyone else? Because it was the source of authority and truth in that time. And so the question I have is, what is the source of authority in our culture? In the Western world, more particularly, what is the source? Who speaks authoritatively in our lives here in America? 
I might be wrong on this, but as I pondered this question this week, I thought it's the individual. The individual, right? We live in a culture that has enshrined individual rights, individual values, individual beliefs, and uh, we live in a world that says no matter what you believe, you're right, and all you need to do in order to prove that to yourself is go on Facebook, right? (laughs) No matter what you put up there, you're going to get like 10 or 15 likes. It can be the most crazy thing you've ever written, and somebody's going to like it, and you're going to be like, wow, what was I thinking when I wrote that? I can't believe somebody's on board with that. But that's the kind of world we live in that says, you're right, no matter what you say. And yet at the same time, I think all of us know, all of us know somebody that's been wrong, someone that's been wrong in our lives, and we've seen that take them to disastrous ends for themselves, for their family. And we've looked on in pain and horror as we've seen someone bring suffering down on their lives and on the lives of those that they love. And so that's what I put before you today. How do we know if I'm wrong? How do we know if we're wrong How do we decide where is the measuring stick that that speaks to our hearts that lets us know if we're choosing right or wrong? And into the midst of that, God speaks. God speaks to us, his people, his baptized people on whom he's poured his Holy Spirit. In the midst of a chaotic world, our God speaks to us. Hear these words from Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning at verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. God says that he's going to write his law on our hearts, that he's going to to put it in our minds. And the other thing that I, I thought was significant in those words there is he says that he's going to do that not just with the greatest, not just with the pastors, not just with the knowledgeable people, but he's going to do it to all of us, even his least. Looking over at a little guy that that had the privilege of baptizing a few weeks ago and thinking that one too. God has written his law. And that child's heart. God has placed in all of us his Holy Spirit and his word to guide our lives. And yet I think at times that, that word gets drowned out by other things. At times we missed that. And so the challenge is with this is it changes the question for each and every one of us from what do I want to what does he want? What does God want for my life? What does God want for the life of my family, for my son, for my daughter? What does God want from me as I go to work? See, the thing is, he wants to transform us. He wants to transform our lives by the power of his spirit working in us. 
And so he tells us what he wants his spirit to work in us. Uh, Paul writes these words in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, joy. Thinking about that this morning as we talked about having joy before the Lord. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so the question is, is how do we keep in step with the Spirit in such a noisy and chaotic world uh, where the world around us isn't necessarily speaking God's truth to us? How do we hear the law that He has put in our minds and read what He has written on our hearts? Here's what I believe are a couple of practical steps uh, that we as God's people can engage in to be able to hear His voice and feel His Spirit in our lives. Uh, first and foremost, believe that what God wants for me is better than what I want for myself. Once again, believe what God wants for me is better than what I want for myself. And trust that. Uh, second, seek God in prayer. How can we have a relationship with someone that we never talk to? And so we need to find time in our lives to speak to God. And so, so I encourage you to, to kind of step away from maybe a, a route prayer sort of thing. You know, okay, we just say this all the time before dinner at night, before we go to bed. Those things are good and it helps us memorize things. And, and especially like the Lord's Prayer, He gave us that prayer to pray, so we should pray. But, but dig a little deeper. Pray about what it looks like to see God's kingdom come in your immediate life to come into your family, to come into your place of work. Next, have a soft heart. What I've noticed in myself over the past few months is that our hearts as people can grow hard. We become comfortable, we become relaxed, we get used to life as normal, and it's hard for us to feel the moving of the Spirit and to have empathy for other people. And uh, this was really hammered home to me this past week as I heard Steve and Ursula share their story. Uh, Steve's a pastor who's a coach of mine in PLI, and they live in Spring, Texas. And you guys all know what happened in the Houston area of Texas. And one of the things that can make our hearts hard is the stuff that we accumulate. It kind of surrounds us and creates a shell. Well, all that stuff was removed from their lives by 39 inches of water. And in the midst of the loss, they've discovered that God has made their hearts soft. Soft to their neighbors. Soft to other people that are suffering. And they're able to feel the Spirit move in their lives in a way that they weren't able to feel it for, before because they're becoming more in tune with how they feel about things. How sometimes they, they struggle with okay, I care for my neighbors, but now they're all in hotels and so they're not here and so I, I don't care as much as I feel like I should and so they're in tune with how they're feeling and how God says they should be feeling. And they repent when those feelings aren't in line with what God says they should be. Same has been true for me over the past few months. 
as God has made my heart soft, there's been times that I've realized that my feelings are not in line with how God says I should be feeling about my neighbor. It's easy for us to grow callous. And so maybe one of those prayers that you pray is, hey, God, please help me to have a soft heart, a soft heart to people that are hurting, a soft heart to those people that you've placed in my life. Uh, next is, of course, you know, be in the Word. This is one of those answers that you know I'm going to give each and every time. Be in God's Word. How can you hear God's Word and know what's really God's Word if you're not reading it? Once was a study that I saw that uh, there's all these phrases that sound biblical. Uh, like, here's one of them, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. And people voted like, okay, is that in the Bible or not? More people got it wrong than right. No, that's not in the Bible. So just need to know what God's word says. How can we judge by the spirit and know what God's saying if we don't know what God is saying? And then this is another one that you expect me to say because it's life group time. You need Christian friends. You simply have to have Christian friends. One of the great ways to do that is to have a life group. This is one of those ways that you can get away from bobblehead Facebook friends. The ones that agree with everything that you say because we don't need that. We don't need people to, um, you know, steal us in our ignorance and our stupidity. We need people to say, hey, hey, hold on a second here, cowboy. You are going way crazy here. We need people like that. And maybe it's not your entire life group, but it's somebody that you identify in your life group. But how are you going to find that somebody if you're not in a life group and surrounded by Christian friends? Somebody that you can pull aside and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Because we need people that sometimes can speak into our lives bluntly and sometimes gently pull us inside and say, hey, I don't think you're thinking right about this. And that brings us to a point that's kind of been floating in all of these. And that's humility. The ability to say, you know what? Maybe I'm not right. Maybe something in me needs to change. That was the subject of this whole past week that I spent at PLI, change, and us talking about how hard that is. Because we get stilled in our wills and we think we know what's right. And, and one of the ways that it was described this past week is that, that in our primary relationships, like in husband and wife, we have our opinions and our wife has her opinion, and it's like two trains heading at each other like this. And... One of the usual, give you a peek behind the scenes of life in Nathan Hausch's world. Um, one of the ways that I could clear up 90% of the arguments that we have in our house is by communicating my schedule. Does anybody else out there with me on that one? <laughs> yeah. And so, so after I've failed to tell Lindsay that I've got something on the calendar and she was looking forward to having time with me, I come home and I'm like, well, I had to be there. And, da, 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 da. and I start going and she starts going and the trains start coming down the tracks and we're going to crash. And what I need to do to avoid that crash is instead of coming home and saying, well, I had to do it, and blah, 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 I'm sorry I didn't tell you, but I needed to be there, and you say, hey, son, I'm sorry I, I should have told you about that, and I know you must have been really disappointed when you found out halfway through the night that I had a meeting that you didn't know about, and you were looking forward to having a little bit of time together and a little bit of time away from the girls because they've been in your hair all day long, and I know that they're at hard ages right now. And in that way, instead of trains coming together and colliding like this and ending up in a mess, I get on board her train. 
and then I'm in the position to pump the brakes, to slow things down. And instead of us getting pushed further and further apart, it actually brings us closer together. We need to have humility. And we need to be willing and open to changing and to loving those people that God has placed in our lives. And that requires humility. And the truth is, all of us need to change. Because if we're honest with ourselves, which I believe most of us are, we'll all say we're not perfect. There's things about me that need to change. Because we all know the, the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for different results. Well, my wife um, found the biblical version of that. And one of the things that we do in PLI is do a start-stop. And it's, uh, we're going to stop doing this and start doing this. And, and we believe that, that these two changes, simple changes in our lives are going to change everything. So you guys know the biblical version of this phrase, right? From Proverbs 26.11. Oh, good. Nobody's got it memorized. I get to share it with you. Proverbs 26.11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Wife writes this on our stop-start. Thank you, dear. Okay, I think I'm ready to change now. And I thought, you know, the next verse in Proverbs here speaks to that too, about our willingness and our need to change and how we need to soften our hearts and be humble. Verse 12. Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. And underneath those words that she wrote about the dog and whatnot, she also wrote the words from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is your kindness, Lord, that leads to our healing. God was on a collision course with humanity. And instead of choosing to destroy us, instead of coming against us, Jesus gets on our train in humility. And he jumps in the front. And all of God's wrath comes crashing down on him. And so we're forgiven and loved by God because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. We do not have a God who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Jesus Christ shows us what it looks like to change. So finally, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus who is gracious and loving, who's patient when we fail and keep on doing the same thing over and over again. It's his grace, his grace that allows us to be transformed by the power of his spirit, by the power of his word, working in our hearts and lives.